Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, are you still feeling a little hungover from election night? I know I could use something a little soothing, a little comforting, like a big bowl of soup, you know? So we're revisiting our conversation with a Northside woman whose name is synonymous with soup, Sarah McAlee, or as you might know her, Brothmonger. It's Thursday, November 10th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Sarah, I've been lurking your page for like at least a couple of years. Awesome. So what drew you to the broth? Um, well, I I have always been pretty good at making soup since I started cooking. When I started cooking, I really was not very good at cooking. Um, there was it, I just had like so much to learn and um, but I was pretty much good at making soup kind of like right away. Um, and I like really grew up on soup. My mom cooked a lot. Uh, and I've always been, you know, a huge fan of it. Uh, so that was something that I have been cooking and cooking a lot since I first started cooking. And then, um, a couple years ago, somebody on Facebook, I think was like, I'm really sick right now. Where can I get some good soup in Pittsburgh? And I was just like, you can't like, there's, (laughs) there's nowhere. And even all of the People who replied to her post were like, I mean, Max and Irma's has good soup. Max and Irma's. Yeah, I know. And I was like, <laughs> what kind of answer is that? Like Eaton Park and stuff like that. Since then, I will say that was in 2018. So since then, tons of places have opened since 2018. There's tons of great soup in Pittsburgh now. But I was like, the only place that you can get the good soup is at my house. So I'm, <laughs> I made her some soup and then I took it over to her and at the time, I was working the counter at Badamo's Pizza Shop, and I started just, like, telling Anthony, the owner, like, I would love to just, like, sell soup to people here. And he was very encouraging and ultimately ended up being like, why don't you just, like, make an Instagram and start doing it on Instagram? So he pretty much, like, put the fire under me about about doing it. So I started doing it, and then... After a couple of months of doing it, I ran into Rick Seaback at the Vintage Mixer, and I was working the count. Anthony was selling pizza there. I was working the counter for him, and I had met Rick a couple of times, so I was already comfortable with him, and he came over and got some pizza, and I was like, hey, I just started selling soup, and he was like, I love soup, and he bought soup for me like at that moment gave me money and then the next day came came over to my house and picked up soup for me then he like posted about it on his instagram and his facebook and i went from like 200 followers to 700 followers in like 24 hours pretty much and then uh it just like blew up from there and continued to get more and more popular and i just continued to get more and more followers um so then it was like kind of kind of just like blew up and was crazy but yeah, that whole that whole sentence is like very Pittsburgh Rick Seabag. I, I, <laughs> I know pizza soup. Um, you moonlight essentially as brothmonger, but your day job you're a funeral director. Absolutely. How did you get into that profession? I grew up in Johnsonburg, Pennsylvania. Um, it's north. It's a super small town. There's like a paper mill there, um, but I have a huge family that's all from there. 
Um, and so I like was around death from a very young age. My actually, my uncle died in a motorcycle accident before it was born. And then my cousin died in a motorcycle accident when I was 12 and, um, just lots of death. Like there's a lot of like drinking and driving around my town, but, um, I just kind of like looked around and noticed that people, my family and people in general are so bad at dealing with death and when it happens to them, it kind of ruins their lives. And, you know, it's so tragic and transformative. And I never really felt that way. I always had a very realistic look at it. And, um, you know, I just thought it, it didn't really have to be like that. And it was always just, I don't know, such like a weird thing to me that people didn't know how to deal with something that's going to happen to everyone that you know yeah. and and yourself and everyone that you love. So I just really wanted to help people get through that really difficult time in their life, but also educate them before it happens so that they can be ready for it. Um, so I, I've also been like, I've always been just like a creep and like a morbid weirdo. <laughs> well, you're a Scorpio. Yeah. Like my mom was always like, I was always like shaving my Barbie's heads and like hanging hanging them from my bunk bed, and she was like, "I think that this girl's gonna be a serial killer when she grows up." But the complete opposite. You're a funeral director, and you're making suits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally not, totally not a murderer. But um, so she like helped. My mom helped me a lot with going to mortuary school, and I moved to Pittsburgh. Like as soon as I graduated high school, I moved to Pittsburgh and went to mortuary school and it worked out great. It ended up being exactly what I wanted and I loved it so much. And I've been, that was in 2010. So I've been working in funeral homes since 2010. But what is your, what does your day kind of look like doing that? Um, It's always different. There's, there's a lot of hurry up and wait in my industry. Um, some people say like it's feast or famine, like you sit around and do nothing for five days in a row and then you get like three death calls in two hours and then you have to scramble around and figure out everything. But typically like I would go into work, um, sometimes somebody would have died in the middle of the night the night before. So I'll go into work and embalm that person. And then, um, I'll go, we have two locations, so I'll go in and embalm and then I'll go into my office and sometimes I have to then meet with the family of the person who I've just embalmed. And so I call them and express my condolences to them and kind of figure out what kind of funeral they would want. And then they come into the funeral home and I sit down with them and answer any questions that they have and kind of like plan the arrangements, plan the funeral or like burial or cremation, uh, try to do everything that I possibly can to make it as easy as possible on them. And then um, from there, I call churches and cemeteries and uh, priests and all kinds of different places to plan everything. It's kind of like some funeral directors say that planning a funeral is like planning a wedding, but it's in like two days instead of <laughs> a year. Uh, so yeah, then I do all of that and then I have to do a bunch of paperwork and then we dress the person and put makeup on them and put them in their casket or take them to the crematory. It all just depends on what fits best with that family and what they want and all of that stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much everything. 
Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art? Eat gourmet snacks? People watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So you have like, what's your, you make soups and you're also a funeral director. What's your busy season for both of those? Like what's your busy season as a funeral director and your busy season here in Pittsburgh making soups? People want soups all the time. My busiest time for both is November. Um, Oddly enough, like November and December are always, and it's like statistically true. I think that if you asked any funeral director, they'd probably say the same thing. But November and December around the holidays is always the busiest time for people to die uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Is there a soup that you typically would like give to people when they're grieving or that you recommend? Yeah, I I like to give people chicken noodle soup um, or like a like a lemon chicken soup. Um, And I try to like, I really, those are the ones that I, or like a a wedding soup, just something that is kind of like traditional, that is kind of like inarguable that people mostly like. Um, Like my, one of my very good friends who used to work at the funeral home, his son died and he's Greek. So I gave him some lemon chicken orzo soup and, you know, he was very, very grateful for that. But I, I mean, and it doesn't even have to be soup. Literally, like anything that you make that you make at home that you can give to somebody, they're going to be very appreciative of it. And you know, anything that you're comfortable making and giving to somebody, that's what you should make and give to them, and they'll be very happy to have it. I'm gonna ask you one last sort of like question, and then we're gonna do like some rapid fire questions about cool. soup. Sounds good. Um, so, okay, if Pittsburgh were a soup. What soup would it be? I said stuffed cabbage. Yeah, it, that's what I was. It it would be like uh like kielbasa, cabbage, and potato, like a pierogi soup. A pierogi soup. We're we're you know poor food, if anything. Totally. Um. Okay. Rapid fire questions. What makes a good broth? Time. T i m e. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect to be that simple. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm like ready to write things down. Okay. Uh. What soups have you made lately that you felt like you really outdid yourself? Okay, I made one for, I actually have a newsletter now where I've been publishing recipes and stuff and writing, which has been a very fun new, I'm sorry, this isn't a rapid answer, but. No, but that's the broth mailer? Yeah, broth mailer. I made a soup the other day for it, and it's a lentil and chicken soup, but I like burned a bunch of onions before putting the lentils and the chicken broth in. And it's like a very long cooked chicken broth. So it's just like, and I use like really nice expensive lentils. Um, 
and gave it to a bunch of people, including my sister-in-law. And she like took it back to St. Mary, my hometown and was like, oh my God, this is the best soup ever. Uh, but yeah, I ate that soup and was like, whoa, what the heck did I just do? It was very, it's, it's a very good one and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Most underrated soup ingredient. I think it's beans. Like, I think that people just haven't given beans their due. <laughs> like, beans deserve a chance. Beans are the best, man. Like, a, a couple of things went through my, my mind, like miso, but I don't think miso is underrated. I think people give miso its fair, sh- its fair shake. But, like, I don't know. It, like, a ham and bean soup, people who like ham and bean soup like that, but people who thinks that, think they don't like beans aren't going to try that soup. Like, Beans, man. Beans are where it's at. Beans are where it's at. (laughs) Sarah, Scorpio soup lover, bean lover. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a blast and I was very happy to do it. A little more news before you go. Governor Tom Wolf recently signed legislation that restores the driving privileges of more than 6,000 people. Back in 2018, the state passed legislation that ended license suspension as a penalty for non-traffic violations. It wasn't retroactive, but the new law is. It eliminates suspensions for drivers who were convicted before 2018. Voter turnout was up among young people in Pittsburgh. The selection, that's according to the Pittsburgh Union Progress. The city's fourth ward, which is home to Pitt's Oakland campus, saw about a 32% increase in registered voters showing up to the polls. And a new display is raising awareness about homelessness in Pittsburgh. Neon orange tents with a sign showing most livable city for whom have popped up in places like Mount Washington, the Strip District, the Whole Foods in East Liberty, and a few other places across the city. These guerrilla art installations come after the city is forcing people in encampments along the Allegheny River Trail to relocate. Today is actually the last day for them to move. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If this episode made you feel as warm and loved as a bowl of soup, then leave us some love. And of course, subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, so we'll see you then. (laughs) My mom just got her license back. She's like 70. Um, <laughs> they shouldn't have even given it back to her. She doesn't need to be on the road. But uh, that's why it's, it's just the story's making me laugh because I'm thinking about that. <laughs>